Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. All right, on this episode of Career Crashers, I'm joined by Phil Gross, someone who actually I don't know that we've ever spoken face to face, but we have emailed and messaged over the years over various platforms. And uh, you've kind of, you know, I've pieced together from the outside some pretty interesting career moves. So I'll just start right off with Phil. How did you crash your career? Um, well, I actually started with you. Uh, <laughs> reading some of your blog posts way back, I don't know, three, four years ago. Um, just kind of having that mentality that just because you are in a job doesn't mean you have to stay stuck to it. And there's probably something else out there in the world that you can go be doing and be happy doing. So basically I was stuck in a tax job and prepping tax returns, which anyone who's done that knows it's not the most fun thing in the world. Um, <laughs> ended up just saying I quit and leaving without any idea what I was going to do. Um, ended up working at a recruiting firm in the back office side of it. So doing payroll and uh, taxes and running everything like backside operations. Um, and the, the fun thing of that job was our VP of finance was an Excel wizard. Like he is the smartest guy I've ever seen in Excel. He can do everything he wants to with the keyboard. And he would run me through these Excel spreadsheets and I'd be like, I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't follow you. You're moving too fast. Um, so basically every day at the job, every day I had like at a coffee shop, I would just go and work on my Excel skills. I'd learn Excel and he would teach me. I, he was in Portland. I was in Denver we'd hop on a video call and he'd be like, okay, I need to do this. How do you do that? And so I'd show him and he'd be like, oh, you could have done this a little better. And so he really refined my Excel skills and taught me things that I didn't even know was possible to do in Excel, um, which as an accountant and someone in finance, it's a very important <laughs> skill to have. And that's what everyone speaks in the accounting and finance world. Um, so basically did that. Got a little tired of doing my job. Um, I did definitely take the motto of leave it better than how you found it. So basically left to work papers and left a trail for the next person coming along. I, it was an amicable separation. I made sure that everyone was taken care of when I left. And I said, hey, I, you can always text or call me. I'm always in it for you guys. It's just this is not the path I wanted to go. Um, so I had a little hiatus. Um, in my hiatus, I decided to become a dishwasher, thinking I could <laughs> freelance and dishwash. Um, needless to say, the dishwashing career did not pan out too well. Uh, <laughs> we, had a, <laughs> we had a mix up on uh, scheduling and I lasted two days and then was told, told to not come back, which was a blessing in disguise. Um, like a week later, I got this op awesome opportunity to work for a company remotely from Denver that was in New York City. We were like a accounting processes 
consultant is basically what my job was. So I was helping out all these clients being like, Hey, you have this problem. I can help you on the back office. So it's taking all the skills I had and kind of applying them to a bunch of different types of companies, uh, which is really cool. And I actually got into working with a company that did subscription software. And I was like, Oh, subscription accounting. Like this is really neat. This is interesting. There's pieces you can play with. There's like the aspect of deferred revenue. There's, headcount and there's payroll like those are the two biggest aspects and besides that you don't have to worry about inventory you don't have to worry about all this back-end stuff like get your payroll in order get your deferred revenue and your subscription in order and you're good to go so that's what i really liked about working on this company i was like this is where i want to go so six months into that i found a job opening as an accountant at a company called TrackVia, which is a low-code digital, um, a low-code application platform. That was exactly like my bread and butter. That is what I wanted to do, um, and took it off from there. Uh, that was probably the coolest thing because I got to take my skills on like a fifty-person subscription company to a company that had seven hundred customers and big customers up to. deals yearly. So it wasn't just like, oh yeah, you're going to take this and learn the skill. It was like, no, (laughs) throw yourself into the deep end and really go for it. And then that's how I arrived at my current position, which is another software company um, that we brandfold where we specialize in digital asset management. And then this is even another step because we went from, I went from coming in when things were pretty much grown out to coming in when revenue was low and now it's just growing exponentially. And it's like, okay, all these processes that work for the smaller companies, it doesn't exactly work once you get bigger and start growing. Like you start having to figure out innovative ways to get around it. So, so all of those, it's been how long since you quit your tax prep job that you didn't like for, uh, it was July 2015. Okay. So, so like four, four and, and a half, half years. years. That's yeah. a lot has happened. You've done a <laughs> lot of different stuff in that span. T- tell me about the, the job that you left. Would that, would that be like what people would consider like a good job, quality, stable, good income, like a respectable job that uh, level-headed people would advise you not to quit? Uh, yeah. so was it scary to quit uh a little bit i think honestly i think just having the faith in myself and believing that there was something else out there i mean i took a i think from my first from my tax prep job to my next job i took a 15k pay cut and originally and originally i was in dc making 10k more than what I was making when I moved to Denver. So really I took a 25k pay cut and within a, like a year <laughs> and it was more it was more kind of like resetting myself. I I believe a lot in fundamentals and for me it was getting in on the ground floor and working on fundamentals and mm-hmm. developing my skills and seeing where that would go. And I was still young, I was still 24, 25. So I still had that chance where I was like, you know what, if this doesn't work out, 
worst things can happen. I can move back with my parents or I can find a friend that will let me bum on his couch. Like doesn't, you never know what's going to happen. So there's always, there's always one more thing you can tell yourself that, okay, well after this, I'll stop putting up with uh, the suffering and monotony. I remember I, I used to work in a uh, state government. Oh my gosh, it's just terrible. I'm so glad I got out of there. But I worked with so many people that you could just watch them slowly lose their sense of being alive because, well, in one more year, I'll vest 50% of my, you know, whatever, 401k or my vacation days, I will bump up to the next tier where I get an extra five every year. And then after that, I got to, and there's always one more like, well, it would be, let me finish paying off my car. I mean, and I get that when it's real, when it's a real genuine plan that you've proactively said, this is what I'm going to do because I want to be responsible and do X, Y, and Z. But when it's just delaying what you know deep down in your gut you need to do, um, that's a big step to overcome. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think one of the first times that we ever had any contact, you, you emailed me about... Um, you you had like improved a process at your work dramatically and like made it much more efficient. And because of the nature of the way the client was being billed, um, they didn't care about it being efficient. And they were just like, yeah, that doesn't matter. The old way was fine because we're billing them hourly. And you said like, that was the moment where I knew like, this is not the place for me. I want to be rewarded for innovation, uh, not incentivized to, you know, to not innovate. Am I getting that right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the public accounting world. Um, basically whoever your manager is speaks to the client and they're like, Hey, this is going to take 10 hours, 10 times, $250 an hour. This is your bill. So for me, if I get the project, they're like, you have 10 hours, get it done. I'm like, well, I could do this in 10 hours the same way that I was done last year, or I could spend 15 hours but build a process that makes it two hours going forward every year, or I can build a process that works for every single client. And then it's two hours every year for every client. And now all of a sudden you're seeing this margin because you're knocking off eight hours every year. Dude, instead I'm getting of just excited just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what you're rewarded for. What you're rewarded for and what all the metrics, like I got in trouble because I didn't have enough charge hours and they, based charge hours on how many hours you work. <laughs> that, that's a pretty big and important like moment of awareness, I think, to, to realize, hey, there are things I care about, being excited to come up with innovative, more efficient processes. And, I've, and I'm in an environment where those are not rewarded. And to look at the incentive structure you're in and realize, I don't want to be in this incentive structure. It's going to turn me into a version of myself that I don't like. I don't like the version of me that's trying to maximize for hours. I like the version that's trying to maximize for something more interesting, problem solving, innovation. And to have that awareness like, and to, and to go ahead and act on it at, at risk to yourself, at personal cost to your short-term salary, um, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty big move. I commend you for that. Well, thanks. I, I don't know. I've kind of always felt that that was necessary. Um, and now I'm in startup world where you don't really have the same kind of expectations or, I mean, my boss basically says, get your job done. I come into work every day, but there's no, I mean, everyone in our office comes into work, 
but there's no real reason why everyone has to be here every single day. Like it's a, it's a remote capable company and it's kind of cool. You, like my boss gives me free reign. He expects me to be on top of email. He expects me to be on top of our customers, but, and he expects the project to get done, but he doesn't expect, Hey, you didn't meet our budgeted hours on this project. You know, and you might not have known that that opportunity or even this whole world of the, you know, uh, subscription-based stuff that you're so interested in, you might not have known that that was out there had you not been willing to listen to your dissatisfaction, take the leap, and then spend some time in kind of a roundabout discovery phase. I mean, you said you were, you were washing dishes for a while. You were looking to do freelance and that was only going so-so and you, like, Tell me about that. Was there a point over the last couple of years after you quit that job? Was it always just like, wow, that was the greatest decision ever. I feel great. Life's looking up. Or were there times where you were like, what have I done? I'm like going to be a loser now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are definitely points. I mean, there are low points. Like, <laughs> how am I going to pay rent this month? Like, how can I figure out how to put this on a credit card so that I'm not paying? <laughs> like there, there are a lot of like questionable things that I was like questioning myself, but I also knew like in my head, I will never go back to the jobs that I had because I, I knew that that was not the path for me and I needed to lay something out. Um, and I think it really hit home like a month ago in between jobs when you're like, all right, I can't just keep, I mean, that's the other part. I, you can't just keep applying randomly to all these companies. You can't just start sending a resume after a month of not hearing back from people. You have to be like, Oh, there has to be another way to get my foot in the door. And actually the way I got my foot in the door after my dishwashing gig fell through was sending a pitch deck, which was a Praxis innovation. <laughs> um, and basically, I ended up putting my blog on my pitch deck and saying this, like, you can check out my blog here. And the hiring manager actually went to my blog and read some posts. And she called me and was like, I read your posts and like, I really understand what you're saying. Like, I really get your metaphor here. This is really cool. And I was like, I'm applying for an accounting job, not really a writing job. And she was like, yeah, but it's still important to see that you have like a personality outside of just accounting and numbers. Um, so that actually got my foot in the door and became kind of the beginning of where I am today. Man, I love that. I love that. And you're, and you're naturally, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much is natural and how much is just a result of a, of a chosen discipline, but you, you write, you blog, you create content you've got stuff that you're putting out there. And, and the fact that you did that helped you find a job that you really like, helped you land a job. What I also find funny about your story is that <laughs> I, I think people can, can assume too much about their worth in the market as like a whole. If they're in one job and they're either not liking it, even if they are getting paid well, or they're in a job that they're not succeeding at, or they're not getting paid well, they can assume that that's going to be true everywhere and sort of extrapolate. So many people assume your first job that you didn't like, well, that's just what work is like and don't realize how much other opportunities out there or other people in the dishwashing job will be like, well, I guess I can't even hold a dishwashing job. I must not be good at anything. And the fact that you're not 
capable of being staying employed as a dishwasher, but you're capable of being employed as an accountant at a startup. That's an awesome story, right? Because people have different skills and different values in different parts of the market. And it's, it's finding that right, that right match that takes some exploration. And because you're a bad match at one place, doesn't mean that you're not valued somewhere, you know, like, Hey, this guy, sure. I trust him to, uh, to do my taxes or to set up my company on, on automated bookkeeping and accounting software or whatever. Uh, but don't trust him to wash your dishes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I was decent at dishwashing. I'm, I'm not really good at dishwashing <laughs> skills. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely found a more valuable way to spend my time. Um, so, so what would you say to somebody who's in a place that you were in working at a job that's like a good job by all external standards, but they just know this is not where they want to be. Um, what advice would you give to them? Um, I'd start financially, um, figuring out any way you can to build yourself a little bit of nest egg. Um, I know for me, that was the hardest part was I kind of went in with this naivety that, Oh yeah, I can make buy without, a weekly or bi-weekly paycheck, that would be fine. Um, I think having some money, I mean, I had some savings, but I did not think about a buffer of, oh yeah, this, like, I can't go out for drinks with a friend because I don't have money to do that. Things that you take for granted. Um, so that would be my first, like, figure out some way to at least have a backup plan if all things fail and have some finances in order. Second, just take take your own self-courage and put it to the test and try stuff new. And if you are worried on the financial side, try it freelancing. I mean, there are so many opportunities out there. I know I I freelanced even with my job, like just finding people out there who have a subscription business. And I'm like, hey, I can help you. Like, this is what I do for a living. Like, I know some ins and outs that you probably aren't thinking of, or, Hey, you've gotten to a hundred customers. Like what is your system right now? Do you need any improvements? So there's always, I mean, there's always a way to take a skill set that you have and apply it to someone else. And even like starting on Upwork, you can quickly learn, Hey, I might only be $10 an hour, but eventually this will pay itself off and I'll learn the skill and I can charge $50 an hour. So I think that, and then, I don't know, just, I guess, trusting your gut and trusting your instinct. If you feel something is off, like it probably is off. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably one of the most important lessons uh, that I continue to relearn as well. It's like, if it feels a little off, it probably is a little off. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know how to like describe that and from some objective level, but think most people can understand and it i mean it takes some fine tuning i wouldn't say it's easy to do and i wouldn't say i've had the easiest time like i'd say another part of it is mental health and making sure your mental side of it is right um either going to a therapist or talking with loved ones who care about you not always the most helpful because they're not always objective but talking talking things through and um just making sure your head is clear and not like if i felt like something was off at my company 
but I never actually thought it through. And it was just me. That would be a bad, a bad reason to follow my gut. But if I was like, no, my head is very clear. I, I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. And then something goes wrong at my company. It's like, okay, my gut's probably right here. Mm-hmm. So I think the mental health side too is important. I love that. One, one final observation on your story that I pulled out is that you noticed an opportunity in the, the one of the jobs you got short. I can't remember if it was the, the next one right away, but you saw somebody who had this brilliant Excel mastery and you took that opportunity to say, hey, I can get really awesome at Excel. I can learn from this person while I'm here so that when I walk away, not only do I leave the company better, but I leave myself better. I've gained some human capital that's actually really, really versatile and really useful uh, knowing that he was willing to kind of help you along the way and taking advantage of that. You could have just done that job and not gotten any better at Excel, but, but you did. And I think that you were able to leverage that. And that's a pretty, pretty great, great thing to do. Yeah. I don't know if at the time I was thinking, oh, this will be a skill for the future. I think at the time I was like, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good motivation but, too. <laughs> yeah. It ended up working well because if he asked me about some pivot table, I'd be like, oh, I can whip that out for you. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's funny. it worked out well. Never look down on the most basic motivations. I'll never forget one of my favorite football players of all time, Barry Sanders. Somebody's like, how do you have these amazing moves, dodging tacklers and all this? Like, He's like, oh, I just don't like getting tackled because it hurts. That's all I'm trying to do is not get hurt. You know, <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing more graceful behind it. You don't want to look like an idiot. So you learn some skills. That's a good reason. Hey man, this has been awesome chatting with you. Um, is there a, can people go check out your website, your blog or something place to, to direct people? Um, I'd say Twitter is where I'm most active. Okay. Um, at Philip G gross. That's awesome. my Twitter handle. And then email is probably the best way to get in contact with me. It's Philip G gross at gmail.com. So thanks for coming on and telling us your story, man. And I uh, excited for you as you keep creating the next steps. All right. Thanks, Isaac. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at isaac at crash.co. 